Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shyhards welcome back to another episode of meet us at molly's this is episode 111 and tonight we are going to cover chicago fires season one episode 22 entitled leaders lead um, this episode is also known as the one when Hallie dies. Basically. Right? Spoiler alert. Well, I mean, it's season one, right? I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've been with Chicago Fire for a minute, right? Right. No, I know. But just still, like, spoiler alert. This is the episode. The uh, episode. Is it too soon? Is it too soon to talk about Hallie? <laughs> yes. Seven years later, it is still too soon. Right, right. That's funny. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Bryna, we've got news. I know. We actually have news news. And we have, like, late-breaking news. Like, CNN breaking five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're getting back in the swing of things, man. We're, like, what, a month and a half out from the new season? Yeah, maybe almost, maybe still a little, like, a little under two months. I don't know exactly how many days, but, like, it's close. I want to say the Chicago Fire Twitter account tweeted the other day that we were 51 days away. So I think we're probably, like, in the 48, 49, 50 mark now. Ah! Just come back soon, okay? We miss you a lot. Yeah, Yeah. please. Please, please, just, we heart you. We miss you a lot. So, first bit of news, we always like to start with the news. We got some more episode titles. I mean, they're just, like, pouring in, aren't they? Yeah. Kind of crazy. Brian, will you take us through these? Yeah. So, we've got three from Med. We've got 503 is called Got a Friend in Me. 504 is called It's All in the Family. 505 is We're Lost in the Dark. And then we've got another one for Fire. And 803 of Fire is called Badlands. And these are all from Spoiler TV. I mean, and again, these titles could mean anything. I'm kind of hoping that 505 is like they're lost in a blackout or something. And then like Natalie and Will are just kind of like, I can't see you. Where are you? Ow, that's the wall. Like, I don't know. <laughs> see, and I'm looking at 503 and 504. Like, got a friend of me. It's all in the family. And I'm like, please don't be solely about Maggie. Like, please, like, ugh. Like, I mean, Maggie and her cancer, I, like, can't even. I know. And you saw the Instagram thing that I sent you on Tuesday, right? Yeah. They were making, like, a mold for Marlon's head, so it looks like they're going that route. I know. And I'm just like, ugh. It's, it's going to be, be my emotions. I can't do it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And you know Marlon's going to slay it. Oh, totally. She's going to have us crying every single week. Yep gonna be brutal (sighs) so elsewhere we've got a couple different pieces from deadline this week and they're not bearing bad news it's amazing (laughs) Um, it also does kind of want to make me hide though because like we've had two pieces of good news from them which means like you know they're probably buttering us up for something don't jinx it gina please i know i'm gonna try not to i'm gonna hide under this table so that like they can't they can't (laughs) touch me with the bad news but we have some casting news at a pd uh, Liseth Chavez, she is joining season seven. She will play Vanessa Rojas, a street smart, gritty, resilient, fearless undercover cop. 
Rumor has it the role is recurring with an option to become a series regular. This is great because, as we know, there are, like, two people working in intelligence now. Yeah, PD needs bodies. Yes. And so I'm excited. Um, If you have watched Station 19, you've seen Vanessa there. She, or not Vanessa, with Seth. She's new. I'm still, like, getting the hang of it. Um, Lisseth played the young firefighter that Andy was mentoring towards the end of season two. Yeah, she was also on The Fosters in, oh, God, season five. I, that's where I recognized her from. She had a big there. She was awesome. She was so good. Okay, cool. Yeah, I... I never watched the fosters but yeah it's um she seems great just based on what she's been posting on instagram she seems just like she's gonna fit right in um so that's exciting and then i know marina posted a squad photo of everybody on tuesday which was awesome because not only was liseth in there and she blends right in but patty was front and center hashtag blessed yeah also, the LaRoyce comment, because didn't she repost the photo? And then LaRoyce commented, and, like, I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was basically implying, or it was jokingly implying that, like, maybe their characters could, like, become a thing. And it's just like, yes, please, finally. Yeah, he hopefully. posted the hashtag. He just put hashtag Rowwater. And I was like, I ship it. I'm in. Like, yeah. I know Give nothing. Give out water love interest 2019. Yeah, I know nothing about Vanessa, but I ship it already. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Just we, we just want Atwater to be happy. Yeah. That's all. That's all. So I'm so glad that Marina posted that picture, though, because I got to admit, I was getting worried about Patty. Yeah. Do we know what episode they're on, though? I I, I would imagine two? that they're on, like, two. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> Marina said in the caption for that photo, she was like, we're supposed to, this episode's going to air in October, so we have to pretend that it's not 200 degrees out. Right, right, right. So, yeah. I was getting worried okay. about Patty there. He he keeps traveling and he's not seen on set. I got really worried, so I'm glad he's front and center. It's season four all over again. I know, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Ugh, crazy. Uh, Brenda, please take us through the next bit of news. Yeah, so we also did, Marina also did, speaking of Marina, she did an interview with, Chicago Baby Magazine talking about the Chicago Baby Show, which is a thing. Who knows? That whatever. Sounds so anyway, weird. it sounds so weird, but we got a good interview from her, so not complaining. Um, and she talked. Pete. I mean, obviously, it was a lot about her being a mom and stuff, which is awesome. But she did talk a little bit of PD, and there's this there's this paragraph that I just want to read because there's some interesting stuff in here. So she says, I just got the first episode. So I'm assuming she did this, obviously, back in June would be my guess. Um, And John Seda's character is not coming back, so we're sort of dealing with that. The reason he's left our unit has sort of been changing and has been a moving target. So I don't know what will happen with that. She explains, clearly very excited to see herself where... Very clearly, very excited herself to see where the show will go. I can say that Burgess will have a big change in episode six. A sort of life-altering change. I don't know how it will alter her life, but it certainly will. Hmm. So there's two things that I think are important to talk about. Obviously, one being that, like, the reason John Seda or the reason they are writing Antonio out keeps changing, like, or has been changing. So, like, I don't know how well that's actually going to go over in 
real life. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's a right way and a wrong way for him to go. It's pretty simple. It's either the right way is going to be if he fesses up for the murder and goes to jail and they release Ruzik. The wrong way is going to be if they kill him off. Or do anything else. Pretty much. Yeah. So, but the fact that it's been changing and like she says, she's like, it's been changing. It's been a moving target. Like, I don't know. That makes me, I don't know. That just worries me. Well, let's think through the potential ramifications of either option, right? Okay, so he goes to jail for Ruzik, right? It's an easy out for Adam. We don't struggle very much there, right? Everybody's kind of in turmoil because they're just like, oh my God, our guy went to jail. Not a huge impact beyond that, is there? No. Ruzik might have some, like, emotional trauma from his time in prison. Probably. It's Ruzik, let's be real. But I feel like that's the case regardless of which way we go. I think a lot of these ramifications, a lot of what happens in 701, it's not dependent upon what happens to Antonio. It's dependent on who killed Kelton. Right. Right. I think the thing that kind of, and again, I don't know if she means by this means like, I'm assuming she means that like, it if it's been changing, that that means it's like from the writers, like the writers kept changing it. And mm-hmm. to me, the reason that bothers me so much is just because that means they had no idea really what they were going to do with Antonio when they were like, oh, well, you know, here's kind of the situation and we'll figure out what to do with Antonio when we get back in the summer. Like they didn't really have any idea when they wrote the last episode Assuming, again, this is all me assuming based on this quote, like what they were going to do with Antonio, which is why that scene of him getting high in the car, like just, it now all bugs me because they, that just kind of probably threw that in and they're like, oh, okay, well, eh. What if he goes off to rehab and quits being a cop? I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think I would, too. The The job has, I mean, as much as he loves the job, it has very negatively impacted certain aspects right. of his life. Well, like everything. I yeah. mean, it took away his family, it you know, took away his marriage, you know, did all these things. I think, but do you understand what I'm saying? Is that, like, if there, if Marina is saying that, like, the idea, or they, the reason that he's left the unit has been up in the air and changing a lot while they were, like, workshopping it. That means they didn't really have any idea of what they were doing at the end of the season with him and how to write him out. True. And they knew that he was going to leave. Right. So it's kind of like, oh, shit, like, what are we actually doing? Like, that's why it worries me. Is that, like, we're not going to get – they didn't really have any idea. They were just kind of like, oh, shit, John wants to leave? Fuck, okay. Shit, now we're scrambling. Right. And it keeps changing. That's why it worries me. And again, I'm, that's assuming that's what, that's what she means from that quote. I don't know. But that's, you know, I don't know. Right. So I, at this point, still have faith that they will do Antonio justice. No pun intended. However, it goes back to the conversation <laughs> that we always have. I mean. I don't know why that was so funny. It's not even that funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, you're like, I don't even know why it's funny. That's such a terrible pun. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it goes back to the conversation that we always have. Is there ever a way to write off a character that's going to please everybody? Absolutely not. No, not at all. So, I don't know. But the life-altering change. What the fuck? I mean, I have a couple of theories, but I don't know. I mean, 
So for Marina to say, I don't know how it will alter her life, but it certainly will. I, she could make detective, but that's not really going to alter anything unless she wants to go to like another unit or another area in CPD. Right. Like, I feel like she would know, though, how a de- being a detective would alter. I don't I don't I don't know. I really hope they're not going to touch Nicole. Oh, yeah. They like to do that on this show. Fudge. Yeah. Because that could be life-altering if they hurt Nicole and then Zoe has to come live with her. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that would suck. The other thing that I can think of if it's a life-altering change, I mean, I try to think, I'm like, okay, well, what could change, what could happen that would alter somebody's life? I mean... Uh, something could happen to one of her parents. I mean, that tends to change people when that happens. I I mean, the list of what ifs, we could go on all night. We could do a whole episode about what ifs. Right. But we shouldn't, because then we'll end it with anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) But, no, should be interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think said life-altering change might be? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it just, like, all the things that I would think of, like, life-altering, I don't, I'm thinking of things that, like, you know how they'll affect your, like, how that would alter your life. Like, what you said, like, her making detective. Okay, well, like, I would assume that would be a positive thing, and you can kind of figure out how that would affect her life. Like, if it was a new relationship, again, something positive, but, like, you kind of know how that would alter your life. Like, I don't know what it is about it, whatever this change is that, like, she's not sure of. That, like, that just means it's, like, so big that, like, oh and be like oh shit yeah so uh, we will see we yeah we'll see the last or not the last bit of news uh the next bit of news we've got is a late breaking story from deadline hey deadline perfect timing because this story literally broke as we got on skype to record tonight so good job um <laughs> we got some casting news out of chicago fire so Actor Alberto Rosende is set to recur on season eight of Chicago Fire. So Rosende will play Blake Gallo, a young firefighter who loves his job and joins 51 as the CFD expands the number of firefighters on second shift. Casey, Herman, and Severide, impressed with Gallo's relentless energy, take him under their wings. Okay, so it sounds like then it's basically going to be Casey, Severide, and Herman fighting over where he goes in the firehouse. Is he going to be a truck guy, a squad guy, or an engine guy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes. So, but I like this idea of us, like, building this, like, younger-ish core. Like, we've got this guy, Blake, presuming he sticks around. we got Ritter. You know, like, we're building, like, a little younger core. Like, I'm okay. Like, I like this. Chicago Fire, the next generation. It's happening. It, it literally is happening. It's happening. And then I'm telling you, sweet little Nathan's coming back, man. Season 9, season 10, you wait. <laughs> I'm gonna will it into existence. Yeah, and Griffin and, you know, all that. Yep. Like, we, we got our whole generation. Griffin Darden, Terrence Bowden. Yep. Yes! One of the Herman kids for sure will be a firefighter. It'll probably be Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Let's probably. be real. Yeah, let's be it's real. It's not going to be Lee Henry. No, not Lee Henry. Not Lee Henry. But Annabelle for <laughs> sure would be like, let's go. Goodness. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Resende has been in Shadowhunters, so that's probably where you guys are going to recognize him. Admittedly, I have never watched Shadowhunters. Brenna, have you? Nope. Nope. Our friend Rachel has, but our friend Rachel has literally seen everything, so... Uh, we'll have to get her take on that. But yeah, he was on Shadowhunters. I, we didn't really get the chance to look up his other credits because this literally broke right as we were getting online to record. Let's see. What does IMDb say? Now I'm doing it. I should have done this like two minutes ago, but I... Alberto Resende. Uh... He was in things I'm not recognizing. Oh, he was once in an episode of Law and Order SVU. He was also in an episode of Blue Bloods. He's literally only really been in Shadowhunters. Um, I feel like he's got every actor on. Has been in an episode he's got of six, SVU. He's got six things on his IMDb. Oh my god! Dare I ask how old this kid is? Um, I'm about to feel so old. I don't know. Hold on. I mean, he looks... I think my guess is somewhere between you and I, but I don't know. There's Let's a lot see. of years between Brenna and I. Oh! He's 26. Okay. Okay, cool. I, I, was, I was worried he was going to be, like, born in 2000 or 2001 or something, and I was going to be like, oh my god, I'm so ancient. No, he's born in 93. Okay, cool. Well, Alberto, welcome aboard. We are happy to have you. Play nicely, yes. please. But yes, welcome aboard. <laughs> so that's good. Bryna, will you take us through the next bit, please? Yeah, I mean, this isn't really necessarily news, but something we obviously want to discuss. So Derek, you know Derek. He does his Sunday Q&As. We love them. Somebody asked him what Severide's guilty pleasure was this week, and he said that Severide watches Veronica Mars. And so, of course, you can't give us this, Derek, without us discussing yeah. in great detail. I feel like he just types, like, the first thing that comes to his mind. But, again, you can't give us tidbits like this. You know we're going to run with them. Right. It's also, like, especially with Veronica Mars, it's like, what controversial thing can I say to get people riled up? Yes. Oh, yeah, Veronica Mars. Duh. So, if you have not seen season four of Veronica Mars and you want to remain spoiler-free, you probably should not listen to the next, like, bit of however long we talk about this, which probably won't be that long, but you know us, we can talk. Um, I don't even know where to start here. So as I drool on myself, that was sexy. Um, (laughs) I know, this is the mood we're in. So, okay, granted, I have not seen season four. I quit in the middle of season three after I got spoiled by TV Guide and still found out what happened at the end of season four. (laughs) Uh, Where do we even start? Do you think, Taylor, do you think Kelly ships Veronica and Logan? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if he ships them, but I like to feel like Severide sees a lot of himself in Logan. Yes. So I don't know if he, I'd say he ships them, but I think he roots for them, if that makes sense. I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Because yeah, I agree with you. He probably sees a lot of himself in Logan. Yeah, especially, which you never saw season four, but like just... Logan's overall, like, character arc in the way he grows from, obviously, like, the television show to the movie to season four. Like, it's such a fucking great arc until it's not, but... (laughs) I could see him absolutely getting totally suckered in by the season two storyline with the bus crash and everything. Yeah. And probably, honestly, season four is too. 
season four, like season four, because season four is obviously about these bombings. And obviously that's right up kind of related ish to Kelly's like arson thing. Like, I think he could really get into season four too. Do you think he gets Casey into it? You think he suckers him in? <laughs> oh, so are we saying is Kelly, is Casey a marshmallow too? Um, I think he'd more likely get Stella into it than Casey. I imagine he would talk about the show with Brett, though. I think Stella would probably, like, binge it with him, but he would dish on it with Brett. Yeah, I could see that. Brett's definitely a marshmallow. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yes. Oh, 100%. That whole firehouse, they all have a little bit of Veronica in them. A little tiny, tiny bit. Maybe Severide more so than the others. Oh, a hundred Severide definitely, but like Severide definitely has more Logan in him than Veronica. Yeah, I think Brett for sure is a marshmallow. I think she probably watched it back when it aired. I could also see like Otis and Herman and Mouch and Cruz and all them it being like their kind of guilty pleasure show. Only it wouldn't be so much of a guilty pleasure with them. I could see them binging it in the firehouse. Oh yeah, they were like, oh, it's on Hulu now. Like, duh. I'm gonna Let's like go. you. They were like, duh. Like, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they're like on yeah. the way to a call and they're like, man, like, why isn't Tuesday as tough as backup? Like, <laughs> yeah. What are the little bits of information in there? Oh. No. <sighs> Brought so, Mars, man. Who in the firehouse? Or, okay, is Kelly Team Logan or Team Piz? He's Team Logan. Right? Logan. Yeah, he's got Logan. Logan. Okay. Okay. What about Brett? His. Piz is not as, Piz, like, really, Piz, yeah, is important in the, like, first three seasons and ish-ish in the movie. But, like, once you watch season four, it's really, like, Logan. If you're on Team Leo, I'm okay with that. But, like, it's really just Logan. Like, Piz is, eh. I actually really liked Leo. I mean, I see. No, I really liked. Yeah. Leo also plays a big part in season four. And I'm not complaining about it. Okay, and this is going to segue into something we're going to talk about in a few minutes anyway, so. But yes, okay, Kelly is, he's a proud marshmallow, too. Like, it's totally a guilty pleasure, but he, like, stands by it. Like, if somebody's going to talk about Veronica and Logan, he's going to jump in that conversation. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he ships them, because I don't know if Kelly Severide really ships anybody, but he roots for them, for sure. Because okay. he sees himself in Logan. Okay, all right. Cool. Now we know. So Casey's guilty pleasure show is One Tree Hill and Samurai's is Veronica Mars. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Derek, Got it. you can't do this to us. You can't give us these tidbits of information. <laughs> yeah. We literally cannot have nice things. I mean, we can, but like, come on. <laughs> no, okay. not at all. No. So I will eagerly await the next Q&A when he divulges other guilty pleasure shows in the house. Yeah. Whose guilty pleasure show in Firehouse 51, whose guilty pleasure show is The Bachelor slash Bachelorette slash Bachelor in Paradise? Brett for sure. Brett is for sure watching that. I feel like she could get Cruz and Otis in with her too. Okay. What's Bowden's guilty pleasure show? Uh, Real Housewives? (laughs) Yeah, Donna probably makes him watch that. Yeah. Donna, there. Oh, he and Herman and Cindy and Donna are definitely watching Real Housewives all together, like on double dates. I love it. 
I love it so much. Or they're having big parties. Remember I sent you that Insta with James Vanderbeek a couple weeks ago of like all of his celebrity friends were together watching The Bachelor. Like that's how oh, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like Bowden and Donna and Cindy and Herman and like even Platt and Mouch, like they all get together and they just like watch it together. Real Housewives, yeah. all together. Also, Cruz is definitely watching Elite. Like 100% watching Elite. Yes, but he has suckered everybody else into it because remember the whole telenovela bit. Right, that's what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Cruz was definitely watching Elite and gotten everyone else watching it. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Just 100%. like we are trying to do to all of our listeners because Hello Elite is amazing. And it's coming back September 6th. So mark your calendars, watch it before then. You can totally binge you will it think before later. the season premiere. Watch it in Spanish with subtitles. You will think it's later. Not in public. Yes, not in public. <laughs> <laughs> and again, all of this is going to segue into something we're going to talk about in a second before we get to the next bit, which is, hey, Brenna, did, did you know that we have t-shirts that you can wear? I mean, what, huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You can, what? you can rock your love for me to St. Molly's in public where you should not be watching Elite. <laughs> I, wow. Tell yeah. me more, Gina. <laughs> Tell me more. So we've got a tea public store now, guys. Um, we have t-shirts for sale and you can also get, you know, there's coffee mugs, there's tote bags, there's stickers, all sorts of goodies on there. Um, we are, we're pretty much designing these shirts ourselves. So be patient with us if we're not getting designs up quickly enough, but we've got our squad goal shirts that are up. So rock your love for, you know, PD fire med. Absolutely. Those are up. Our logo shirt is up. We've recently launched our silhouette shirts. More ships are coming. So don't worry. I hear you, Dossie fans. And if, and if you have recommendations for ships, if there is like an obscure Fire Med PD ship you want us to do, let us know. We'll try to find a picture to go off of. But yep, yep. We're, we we're, are willing to accommodate. We are willing to accommodate. And I mean, we are learning Photoshop as we go, basically. Yeah. I'm like yeah. basically unearthing the Photoshop skills I acquired in like the ninth grade, which was like, oh, shit, almost 20 years ago. Fuck, I'm so old. Uh, yeah, so I'm like, yeah, the, the old school, like, webmastering skills that I acquired two decades ago because I'm very old, I'm, like, slowly uncovering those. And so, yeah, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. We're having fun with it, though. We're enjoying it. Yeah, we hope to see some of you guys rocking them at the Chicago Hears event. Yes, which is coming in just under a month and a half. Yeah, wild. Yeah, so like the three, we launched three silhouette shirts last week. So we've got Manstead, Stellaride, and Burzik. And as of right now, two of those ships will be at OCE. So show your love. Get those shirts. Yeah. And we will keep you up to date on any other merch that we launch. So that's about all we have for the news. Um, as always, guys, you know, if you see anything, please send it to us. However, you know the drill. You're really good about it. And we appreciate it. So before we get into the episode, we wanted to do a little bit of a summer TV roundup because it's summer. It's the middle of hiatus. I think it's safe to say that both of us are going a little crazy without the Chicago shows. Oh, just a little bit. A little bit. I miss them. I miss them. I really do. Um, but yeah. we've been watching other stuff. And so, you know, and we haven't recorded an episode in, you know, about two weeks. And so we just kind of wanted to come together and talk about some shows that we're binging. One of which I know we both binged, but we're kind of binging different things right now so um brenda what have you been watching this summer aside from the boys oh god yeah um so jane the virgin just ended last week are you okay and it ended in i'm i mean i'm sad because that's like one of my top five favorite shows of all time so i'm really sad but it ended in like the most perfect way 
possible. Like, I've never seen a show end more perfectly. Okay. Like, I was so happy. I was... It also helped a little bit that my couple got together in the very end and got married in the final episode. That definitely helps. Um, But even aside from that, I still think it ended perfectly. And I think they really stayed true to, like, what made Jane the Virgin so special. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm really sad because, again, I love that show. And it sucks that we're not getting any more. But I'm really happy because I love the ending. So, um, yeah. So I watched that. Were you surprised um, by the revelation of who the narrator was? No. No. That was a theory I'd been throwing around for a while. Okay. Do you even know? Like, you say you say that, but, like... Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, you know. spoiler alert, guys. Like, come on. Like, we'll put notes. We'll put show notes in there if you don't want to get spoiled on these other shows as well. But, yeah, I, I did hear that the narrator was Mateo, who I think was Jane's son, right? Yeah, Jane and Raphael's son. Okay. Yeah. But it's not... But yeah, Raphael's I, not the one who died taking the LSAT. That was Michael, right? Yeah, and Michael came back to life, or came came back from the dead. Um, he's not actually dead, but he came back from the dead at the end of last season or beginning of this season. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, but I wanted her to be with Raph. She ended up with Raph, and it's great. Good deal. Made me happy. So. Good. Yeah, so that was that. What are What's another one you've been watching? Um, I've been trying to stay pretty productive on my binging just to kind of distract me from the madness of adulting slash the world. Um, and so, and I'm, I keep a list of what I'm binging like throughout the year. I don't know why, just because I'm typing. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. I keep a list of that and the ships that I liked from each one of them. So let's see here. Okay, so I binged. I did Veronica Mars right after ATX. I did that, but I stopped midway through season three because I got spoiled thanks to TV Guide, despite muting <sighs> everything. I mean, I showed you the list of what I muted. I muted everything. Like, yeah, all of the hashtags, all of the things, I still got spoiled. But you know what? It was my own damn fault, though, because, I mean, I have three Twitter accounts on my account, right? So I have my personal account, my TV account, and the podcast account. And I had only muted everything on my TV account. So I got spoiled in the podcast account. Yeah. Total, But it like, still sucks. I mean, I had seen, I had gotten to see Veronica Mars early, mm-hmm. um, like, pretty much almost, like, right like, my birthday was, like, when I was watching it. So, like, right after we came back from ETX. And <laughs> watching that and then having to sit on it sucked just kind of as much. You had to sit on it for a while, too. I had to sit on it for a while. Luckily, Allison, our friend Allison from Telltale, had watched it. And we had still we still had about two weeks, though, where we were both sitting on it. And it was just like, oh, fuck. Yikes. Yikes. But yeah, it was good up until those last ten minutes. And that's what I've heard from a couple people as well. But I'm 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 really bummed that I got spoiled. But I'm also kind of glad because I feel like if I had stuck with it and committed to finishing the whole thing and gotten to that ending, I would have been pretty mad. But like I also, right. I mean, I'm I'm sad for the Veronica Mars fans because I mean, it, it they should have just left well enough alone if that's the way they were gonna go. Yeah, I I mean I don't know. I have a bunch of feelings on it. Um, I mean I'm sad. I don't know if I'll watch whatever they do next or if they do something next. Um, I'm really more disappointed, not even because they killed Logan off, spoiler alert. Well, again, we'll put, like, show notes and all this stuff. (laughs) I'm more mad because I feel like that tainted the legacy of Veronica Mars, and I feel like it tainted everything they did in season four. Like, not even just, like, because season four I thought was so fan-fucking-tastic. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I thought it was some of the best stuff they've ever done. Yeah. Like, I, I thought it was genius. I thought season four was so fucking good. And the way they handled Ver- Lon- 
combining people here, Veronica and Logan. And I just, I thought everything about it was genius. I mean, I hated some of it because Weevil's my favorite character and I, whatever. But I loved it. I loved season four. And then they got to that point and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's what I've heard. But to me, it just like, it's such an insult because like, you had three seasons, everything ended where it was, even the movie was fine, but like, if, if that's Did you the watch way, the movie? I didn't get to the movie, no, because, I mean, oh, okay. there's there's no use for me to continue now, like, I no, became- No, I know, I, just, I didn't know if you had watched it, or just cause, or not. No, but I mean, I became like, instant trash for Veronica and Logan, like, the minute that Logan's mom died in season one, and he totally, like, softened up, and was just this vulnerable kid, I was like, oh, that's it, I'm in. I'm fully in, I am instant Veronica and Logan trash. And so, I mean, I was all aboard. So, I mean, it's just messed up. Like, if it were just, like, in succession, like, season one, season two, season three, season four, like, you know, four years in a row, fine. But for them to go away for, like, a decade, and then come back and do that, like, damn, that's such a dick move. It's not even, for me, I think the thing that bothers me more about it is not even that. It's more of just, like, Logan has grown so much. And just to see the growth in the character that he is in season four, I mean, it killed, like, the, no, and knowing the way that it ends, it just, it kills me. Well, of course, and also feeding into that trope that women can't be successful and in a successful relationship, which is bullshit. Bullshit. Okay, so something that I did read that actually kind of pissed me off. So Rob Thomas did an interview, of course, because he kind of had to defend himself after that terrible decision, right? And he said, there was a soundbite out of it, like straight up, he just said, he's like, well, they always say that when your two main characters get together that your show is over. Um, I think Ben and Leslie have something to say about that. I think Booth and Brennan have something to say about that. I think Corey and Topanga have something to Corey, say about that. Yeah, Corey and Topanga. Um, who else has, like, gotten married in the middle of the show? I mean, any... Casey and Dawson. I mean... Well... <laughs> the show's still going, isn't best. it? No, I know. But still, not the best example. But yes. But yes. I just think that's such a bullshit generalization. No, yeah. It, no, it is. And I think... Because people, there's still ways to make couples work and relationships interesting when, you know, they're actually, like, together still. I think it's bullshit, but... Which kind of shows that, you know, it's, like, two steps forward, or one step forward, two steps back, right? Because Hollywood still has a long way to go when it comes to writing women. Yeah. It's crazy. I just, I mean, I got into Veronica Mars very quickly, so I... Probably am not the person to be like, Rob Thomas sucks, girl. But still. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. And I think it just, it's even more bittersweet because of the, you know, like we all came off off the panel at ATX and that was a real experience. It's even more bittersweet for me because I got to hang out with um, Jason Doring and Percy Daggs um, while we were at ATX and like, I'm now really glad that I had that experience and, like, some really cool moments with them. Um, but, like, it's, it just makes it kind of even more bittersweet, too. How was Jason at ATX? Were, were there any, like, anything about his, like, mannerisms that made you think that it was he was kind of looking at it kind of from a bittersweet standpoint? <sighs> I mean, maybe if I really wanted to go back into our interview and, like, reread into any, everything, like, yeah, maybe I could figure it out. But there was nothing that gave it away. Um... I mean, the only thing that he even, like, remotely-ish gave away to me was, like, we were talking about Dick. 
Jake Casablancas. <laughs> and, like, he was, like, because Rob had said in the panel something about how, like, Dick was, like, you know, the king of spring break. And so we were talking about that in our interview. And Jason was, like, oh, have you seen it? And I was, like, no, I haven't. And he's, like, oh. And then, like, we went on, kept talking about Dick or whatever. And he was explaining whatever. But, like, that was the closest we got. But, yeah. I mean, I guess if I want, again, if I wanted to go back and reread into things, maybe I could take it as bittersweet. Or, but, you know, that's not how it actually was. So, so yeah, I'm choosing to remember Veronica Mars through seasons one and two and, like, four episodes of three as, like, a very fun-loving show. It was a fun show. And so I'm just going to pretend that the movie in season four never happened. But the movie's fine. But, yeah, four, I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm pretending four happened up until a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that. I understand. I completely understand. So... Um, I watched What If on Netflix. I did that pretty quickly. I think I binged that, like, during ATX. And I actually Yeah, really that's what that. you were watching. You were talking about it with Emily. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was interesting. Renee Zellweger's in it. Um, Blake Jenner, who was on Glee, he's mm-hmm. in it as well. Um, it's twisty. It's crazy. Um, Louis Hurtham, or Louis Hurtham, he's also in it. Papa Halstead. He is in What If. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's twisty, it's crazy, it's ten episodes, it's not that hard. It's it's pretty good, though. Um, there was a ship out of that one that I actually absolutely just adored. Um, Lionel and Marcos. Oh, my God. So good. So good. So, um, our friends at the shipping room, sometimes they'll tweet at the end of the year and be like, you know, who are your top five ships of the year? And so, Lionel and Marcos will definitely make that list for me. They were great. So, that was awesome. Yeah, what if was good? Um, I did Fleabag. I got that done with pretty quickly. Uh, we started Fleabag, Brian and I did, and we got home from ATX. And by started yeah. it, I mean we put on the first episode and I fell asleep. Yeah, I did not. I, I mean, I liked what I saw. I just never, I haven't finished it yet. It's an easy, quick binge. It's really, it's, you know, each episode's like 30 minutes and there's six episode seasons. So, right. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was very funny. And it's very light. It's like n- nothing to really like fully dive into. It's just very light and funny. So I like that. Yeah. And now I am binging. What am I binging? I'm like, totally well, we just binged the boys. That's, we both just binged the boys. That's what we wanted to do. That's why we wanted to do a summer TV roundup because we both watched the boys and we haven't talked about it yet. Oh my God. I loved it. I obsessed. It was so good. Yeah. So, so good. So the boys, if you don't know, it's, um, it's on Amazon. It's based off a comic book as most things are these days. Right. But it just kind of imagines that like, being a superhero like it's a big industry basically it's it's a corporate like industrialized industry and so the superheroes are corrupt and like it's just i loved it I, I, where do we even start i just thought it was so good i think the thing that's so interesting to me is obviously it's based off a comic book but the comic book came out way before like our idea of like the mcu and iron man like even did like it started the comic book started in 2006 and so it's just so weird because obviously I know the TV show is probably a little bit influenced by the MCU and just kind of that world that we currently live in with our superheroes. But like just to know that like the comic book came first and like before all of that and kind of in some ways foreshadowed that like it's just so interesting to me. Yeah. Like that's part of the part that I love about it. Yeah. And it's it's really good. And it brings up a lot of interesting like moral questions because these superheroes are yeah. pretty shady. Pretty yeah, shady. Uh, pretty pretty shady come on gina now no come they're, on. they're entirely shady especially homelander who's supposed to be like the captain america of the bunch yeah yeah there's but a, he's like so fascinating oh he's totally fascinating i mean he's a terrible person as evidenced by the final scene of the final episode 
he's terrible. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's a fascinating, like his whole dynamic. Um, I mean, is there any way to redeem the deep? There's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. There's so much. I mean, like, will he even come back? Like, I mean, I'm assuming he'll come back and jo- re- rejoin the seven. I say that in air quotes, rejoin the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting. I, it's, it's, it's really yeah. good. It's really, really good. Um, also, that dolphin scene with the Spice <laughs> Girls song. That was like my favorite scene. Of the oh, my God. Scene. It's so funny. It was so funny. And I so I tweeted about it. And one of the special effects guys that worked on the show, like, I, like, just hashtagged the boys or whatever, and he replied to it. It was like, yeah, that was really fun. Um, We built a dolphin cannon and all, like, glad you enjoyed it or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Dolphin cannon. Yeah, because obviously, you know. You guys have got to watch the show. It's the only way you're going to know what we're talking about. But, oh, it was so funny. I loved it. That's great. I love, like, the parallels between, like, you can you can totally draw parallels and be like, okay, well, this superhero is this guy in this world. So, like, Black Noir, he's the Deadpool of the bunch. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally the Deadpool of the bunch. Uh, I mean, Homelander, obviously the Captain America. Queen Maeve is the Wonder Woman. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, re- I really liked it. I, I think Jack Quaid was fantastic in it. Um, I loved Frenchie and Kimiko. I don't know how you felt about them versus, you know, uh, Huey and Starlight, but I... Huey and Starlight I think were great, I li- but I loved Frenchie and Kimiko. I liked Huey and Starlight, I think, a little bit more, but I did like um, Frenchie and Kimiko. They were cute. Yeah. They were really cute. I, I died a little bit every time, because, like, Frenchie always called him Moncur, which in French is my heart, and I was like, that's so cute. Oh, they're so cute. I can't take yeah. it. Like, <laughs> super cute. So yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. And then, I mean, of course, there's the question of, like, does Huey actually have feelings for Starlight, or, like, is it just solely to take down the seven? Like questions i don't know just oh it's good it's so good yeah it was awesome so good so really yeah. enjoyed it um i finished that it, it's oh my god that's so funny because you were you were way ahead of me too and i thought i was going crazy because like you know brenna watched it in, in my <laughs> amazon account and so like i started it and then like i would turn it off or whatever and then i come back and it would be like episode five complete i'm like maybe it's just like playing while i'm gone i don't know and then i finally realized <laughs> i was like brenna's ahead of me got it got it yeah so got it <laughs> Yeah, that's the problem I run into when my mom binges something, too. So, like, she finished What If before me. So it was like, you've completed episode nine. I'm like, what? No, I haven't. Like, what are you talking about? So, yeah. Um, and now I'm working on catching up on The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Also, hello, The Bachelorette. I finally got Gina to watch The Bachelorette. Oh, my God. I hate and you it was and Charlie for this so much, but I also love it because it, it's trash, but it's trash that I need. Like, oh, my God. It's so good, though. It's so good. All I'm saying is Hannah wasted her pick, okay? She could have had Tyler C and she freaking picked Jed. Uh, do not even... The amount of people... I will say this, because Hannah and Tyler... I've literally... I don't think... I've been watching this show since I was 12 years old. Like, literally, legitimately watching since I was 12 years old. I am 24 years old now. <laughs> so, like, for a long part of my life... I legitimately don't think I've ever shipped a couple more on The Bachelor than I have Hannah and Tyler C. Thank like, you. Like, legit make me giddy. Like, I'm so obsessed with them. And so the amount of people who have texted me in the last, like, week as 
Hannah, you know, asked Tyler out for drinks as Hannah and Tyler were, or as Tyler was seen leaving Hannah's apartment like two days later. And then as Tyler was going out with Gigi Hadid, not once, but twice, like the amount of people who've just texted me over the last week is kind of insane. And I don't know whether I'm honored or embarrassed, but I'm definitely honored because you're totally honored when I text you because you're just like, I finally got her into it. <laughs> Yeah, but no, but like, Gina, you don't understand. Like, the amount of people who have texted me about Hannah and Tyler this week is, like, kind of insane. No, you wrote me It's in. great. And not only did I finish out the season of The Bachelorette, but now I'm all in on Bachelor in Paradise, which, like, because I love to watch two hours of TV every single night. I mean, I do, but... Are you caught up? Uh, did you watch last night's? Yes. Yes, I watched last night's. Last night okay. being Tuesday. We were recording on Wednesday. Yeah. Because, like, protect Dylan at all costs. Like, precious Dylan. I'm not feeling I Dylan. I love Dylan. I'm not, I'm still, I'm still wrapped up in this Blake drama. <sighs> but on the flip side of that, I also know that Mike is about to come in, okay? And Mike is my pick for Bachelor. So I'm really yeah, hoping that nothing crazy goes down when he comes into the, into the picture. Yeah, I hope not either. He's my, he's my pick for Bachelor. I don't want Peter the pilot. I, I want Mike. Mike for Bachelor, please. You've turned me into a monster. <laughs> I'm so excited. This a is so A monster. Great. And then Nick Vial tweeted on Wednesday that he was like, well, there's so many opportunities where I could have slandered somebody with text messages, but I never did it. I'm like, ooh, Blake's getting dragged. Like, let me just grab this glass of wine and like curl up and just sit back and watch. It's wild. Last night was wild. Created a monster out of me. I know. I love it. It's so crazy. Um, elsewhere in TV news, the CW just announced that season seven of The 100 will be its last. The 100 is like, or not The 100, the CW as a whole is just dead set on giving me abandonment issues, I suppose. Because I feel like once this next season wraps up, like Supernatural's ending, The 100's ending, I feel like I'm going to be too old for the CW. So. You're never too old for the CW. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know. So we'll see. I'm just. You're never too old for the CW. No, that's true. And then TCAs were going on this week, too. So there were all the updates from all the panels. And of course, Jensen and Jared were there. And of course, they were emotional. And when they get emotional, it makes me emotional because I freaking love them. Uh, CW is just like, let's just break Gina's heart. Uh, I love the CW. My fave. Next time we're together in September, you are watching your assigned episodes of Supernatural. It's only like two episodes. Okay. A little more enthusiasm, please. Okay, Gina, sure. You suck. Um, I started watching <laughs> The Bachelor for you, didn't I? <laughs> was it for me specifically, or was it for Charlie? Or was it? No, it was because Charlie, like, turned something, or Charlie, I had mentioned something about Luke P to Charlie, because I was like, yeah, Brian is always talking about how horrible he is. And he was like, let me show you, because I was at his apartment, and Charlie works out like a productive adult that I am not, and... He hasn't DVR'd because, like, I'll text him on Monday nights and be like, this is horrible. And he's like, I'm not watching yet. I'm like, I hate you. Um, and so he pulled up the DVR and he started showing me clips. And Luke was like, stay in your lane, bro. And I was like, this is amazing. And so I got suckered in. And yep. The rest is history. It's so good. So good. Yeah. So that's the TV roundup. That's all I've got. Are you watching anything else? Um, Good Trouble just wrapped up its summer finale. It's coming back for its second part of season two, I'm assuming, in January, because they just announced they're also going to do a two-hour holiday special, so I'm assuming that means they'll come back after that. Um, And it's still just fucking love Good Trouble. Like, I 
I have nothing but high praises for that show. So much TV. It's, it's so great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, though. I think I need to... I'm going to probably start Arrow this week, or the catch-up, so that I can watch Arrow in the fall. Um, Do you want me to catch up? That's a lot. I feel like that's asking a lot of you. But Colin and Josh and Charlie... Like, are you going to want to watch seven seven seasons only to really watch ten episodes in the fall? It's a lot of work. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it was a full 22, okay, sure. But, like, I feel like that's you kind of doing a repeat of Veronica Mars just to, like, watch, like, seven se- seven seasons just to then watch, like, a few episodes. It's true. It's true. I have my disapproval face on right now. Can't see it. But... You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you want to, go for it. But, like, I just feel like that's a lot of time. I feel like I would be absolute trash for Elicity, but you're not trash for Elicity as far as I know. They're fine. I mean, they're a good couple, but, like, you know, they're not my favorite. Okay. I'm not, like, trash for them. I am it. trash for Naughty and Guzman when they come back. That's, like, like when you said Supernatural, I'm like, oh, sorry, Gina, I'm busy in September. Like, I'll be watching Elite over and over and over again. Like, sorry, not sorry. You'll be taking a break to watch the two Supernatural episodes I told you to watch. So. But, yeah. So, no. But, like, Elicity's fine. They're fine. Okay. Well, that's the summer TV roundup. I mean, it's hiatus, guys. I mean, we, you can only watch so many PD Fire and Med reruns, right? Before you're just like, okay, I can, like, reenact this entire episode in my living room. Like, I gotta watch something else. <laughs> yeah. But with that said, we yep. miss you. When Chicago, please come back. We miss you terribly. Please. <sighs> Okay, so I think we can now get into the episode. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this is Chicago Fire, season one, episode 22, entitled Leaders Lead. So this is the last episode in a bit of an arc. Uh, And so, I mean, they all kind of started in 120, which is only like two or three episodes before that. But we basically got the idea for this episode from our listener, Brett. No relation to Sylvie. Just kidding. That's a terrible joke. Uh, I know, Brett is face palming right now. (laughs) (laughs) but brett suggested that we tackle the season one arc with severide and the paramedic who got fired and accused him of sexual harassment and then right especially in the day of me too oh absolutely absolutely that was Uh, really why he suggested it but yeah yeah. and we also realized that it overlapped with hallie's death and so we were like oh yeah we've got to do this just get all the feels out so um there is so much happening in this episode it's ridiculous so much happening so you just want to go right down the list and touch on Severide midway through, or do we start with Severide? What do you want to do? No, let's just start with let's just start with Gabby first, Gabby Mills. Okay, so yeah, this is still in the day of Milson. Milson's still going strong. TBT, TBT, big time TBT. This aired in like 2013, so I mean we're going six years back. You want to know what's crazy? What? So this was the end of season one. So this was like early 2013. Mm-hmm. I was still in high school. Shit, Bryna. <laughs> I graduated in May of 2013, so, like, I was still in high school when this aired. That's I wild. I out of grad school for two years. <laughs> yeah, I was still in high school when this aired. That's wild. Gina's old. Gina's old. Yay. But, yeah, so, <laughs> Milson's still going strong here. Uh, so, Gabby and Mills, they pull up for shift, and Mills very, very awkwardly asks Dawson to move in with him. You know how, like, getting to these milestones with these couples now, it's like pulling teeth? And with Milson, yeah. it's just like, boom, we're there. Yeah, wild. 
Like, getting a stellar like, I love you took an act of Congress. Yeah, and Mills just, like, blurts it out, essentially. He's like, I want you to move in with me, kind of. He's like, this whole two rent thing, psh, I love you. And it's just like, okay, what? Whoa, whoa. I felt so bad for Gabby in this episode because everything she says to Peter is just so forced. Right, yeah. And it's like, Gabby's preoccupied this whole time with, like, this other big thing that she's keeping for Mills. But, like, even if she wasn't preoccupied with that, like, I still would have been thrown off in that moment if I was her. And the whole, the, the, the bomb that she's waiting to drop is that Peter's mom and Bowden had a relationship after Mills' father died, right? No, when they were separated. Oh, when, when Mills' mom... When... And Mills' dad were separated because, as Gabby says, like, you know, Bowden said that, like, they stopped it when Mills' parents were, like, it looked like they were going to reconcile. So Mills' dad was not dead yet. So Gabby's but just still. got this bomb of information she's sitting on and she's not sure how to tell Peter. And just, I feel bad for her this episode because everything is forced. It's just not pretty. Oh, yeah. No. But then, okay, we'll get into that. because no, go ahead, go ahead. Everything is- no, so everything is forced. So basically, Shay tells Gabby not to tell Mills, and because, you know, that's between Bowden and his mom, that's not Gabby's thing, whatever. And then Gabby and Shay later on are having another conversation about this whole thing, and Gabby tells Shay that, like, she wasn't sure about Mills at first, and but then, you know, she realized that, like, he's good for her, and so Shay says, you know, she's like, so you love him because you choose to, and Gabby's like, no, because I do. Oh, Gabby. No, she doesn't love him. She's totally talking herself into it. She loves him, but not in the romantic sense. Yeah, she loves him like a friend. She doesn't love him the way she loves Casey. No, but like she thinks she does. And it's just like, Gabby, hun, please. Mm -hmm. No, 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 you don't. No, so obvious. And then like, of course, when Peter's like, hey, you know, think about it. Let me know. Well, you cut to, like, midway through the episode, and Mills is like, you didn't answer my question. You just told her to take her time and think about it. What do you want? Right. And then, so, she, like, finally tells him, like, after he asked her that, because they're, like, meeting up later at the lake. And she, like, tells him she loves him. And then the way she answers his question, and she's just like, I have one question for you. Like, am I going to have to borrow Antonio's pickup, or are you going to help me move? And, like... The first thing I thought of, though, was, like, I don't see Antonio driving a pickup truck, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him having a pickup, but, I mean, I know Casey has a pickup for sure. Yeah, because Casey is a repairman, or remember, he's supposedly a repairman. He's got a construction gig on the side, yeah. Yeah. I could see Antonio driving a pickup. I cannot see Antonio driving a pickup. I could see it. But also, again, I mean... I feel bad for her. Like, she's just like, are you, oh, I love you too. Are you going to help me move? I'm like, Gabby, honey, no. Like, stop. This is not how you feel. Okay. Remind me, though, on the time, because you watched up until 120, at least. I don't remember with Casey up until 120, because doesn't Hallie come back in 120? Hallie comes back at the end of 120, yes. She, like, goes off to South America to, like, find herself or something. Right, after the whole boy thing. Yeah, yeah. Um. But, so when was, because Casey and Gabby were obviously, like, hardcore flirting for a little bit. Oh, yeah. But I don't remember the timeline. Like, how long, how long has she been, like, officially dating Peter Mills? 
I would say probably, I mean, this is, so they're, they're still, they're dating in 120. I would say probably from, like, they, they date for a while in season one. Like. Right. Yeah. But also, wasn't she flirting with Kate? I don't remember. the. T- that's what I'm saying. I don't remember the timeline of, like, when she started dating Peter Mills and when she was, like, flirting with Casey. Because well, she definitely, she, didn't she kiss Casey at a Christmas party? No, she was going to kiss Casey at a Christmas party and then okay. Casey backed but, off. Right. But so that was at least mid-season. So I'm assuming, like, they couldn't have been dating for that long. No, my point being, they couldn't have been dating for that long. When Hallie goes away, or not Casey, um, when Hallie goes away, Gabby starts to kind of distance herself from Peter. Because she she and Casey are kind of gravitating towards each other. And so they're about to kiss at the end of 120, and Hallie walks back in. Gotcha. But anyway, my point being, and regardless of all that, Gabby and Peter have not been together for that long. No. And so, what she are your, stop. How did you feel about Milson? I mean, what were your thoughts on them? Did, did you like them, hate them? I don't, I definitely didn't hate them. I mean, I think they're kind of insignificant. Like, I definitely didn't hate them. I, I thought they were fine. They were fine, like, secondary ship. Although, I really have to admit, though, I think I'm still picking... Gabby and Jay over Gabby and Mills. Which I was just um, about to ask you, which do you prefer? Oh, Gabby and Jay, 100%. I'm with you on that one. There was just more sexual chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. And I mean, granted, that was a more sexual relationship, but whatever. I hate to say it, but it kind of feels like Gabby was dating a boy in season one. You know, like, Mills was just so young and just so green. And Yeah. 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 He still had a lot of growing up to. And I just think Mills had better chemistry with, like, a lot of, you know, I mean, hell, he has better chemistry with that um, friend of Gabby's that helps Mouch run his campaign for Union, whatever. The one played the girl by Mira Sorvino? Just... Yeah, sure. Isabella? Her. The blonde girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, he has better chemistry with her, and she was, like, a fling. Right. I just, like, I just didn't think they had as good, like, sexual chemistry. I mean, they, they were they were cute. But they're fine. Like I have yeah. nothing like I have nothing against them. They're fine. Wilson yeah. is fine. I mean, their friendship though is great. Yeah. When Mills left in season three, I really didn't think anything of it when he kissed Gabby and was like, Let me know if you're ever in North Carolina or like whatever he said. I mean, a couple of years have gone by now and I'm like, Okay, Mills, that was a little creepy, honey. Like that was a little mm, no. Was a little much. A little much. Yeah. I a little mean, immature. Yeah, it, it you was, should have been it, kissing Brett, but okay, well, not we'll even get a back immature. to it. It was very immature, but yeah, yeah, and I agree right. with that too. He should have, yeah, he they should have explored him, Brett. I thought they had good chemistry, right? And I again, they say that they wrote him off because they didn't have anywhere else to go with that character. Hello, but whatever. Reason. I hate that reason, but yeah, I anyway. mean, they were they were they were cutesy, like not even cute. Wilson was, like, was fine, cutesy. They were fine. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, the whole thing, and at least this storyline ends. Because, again, guys, there's, like, five different storylines happening in this episode. Um, this storyline ends with Gabby finally coming clean. And so she tells Mills about Bowden and his mom. And Mills is not happy, of course. But basically, he's, like, way more upset about the fact that, like, she didn't tell him as soon as she knew. Because she's been sitting on this for, like, weeks. I mean, I see both sides of it. I guess I shouldn't. But, I mean... When Shay says, you know, hey, that's between Bowden and his mom, I mean, that, I understand that. But also, as his girlfriend, she should probably, like, clue him in. 
honesty is the best policy and communication is key. And so if she had really wanted this relationship to work, she would have told him earlier. Yeah, if you take no life lessons away from Chicago Fire other than, like, two, let it be, like, don't play with matches <laughs> and honesty is the best po- Okay, three. So don't play with matches, honesty is the best policy, and communication is key. Yeah, exactly. And listen to your first responders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Life lessons. So, but, yeah, that was the Milson part of it, but. This is kind oh, of man, the beginning of the end wild. for them, wasn't it? Well, this, they never got back together after this. There was Jay no, like, shows up in 201. Oh, yeah. So they just kind of, like... Jay, it's, like... Trail off. They just, still. like... Yeah, this is, like, the end. I mean, there's, like, nothing really... I don't remember exactly what, like, conversations they have, but I think they have conversations... Oh! Because she... Eventually, he asks... I think, obviously, with the Hallie stuff, like... Gabby's obviously wants to be there for Casey and Mills notices and Mills asks her like are you really over Casey and she's like I like can't tell you that like I can't say that Yikes. and that's like kind of how it ends but then obviously Jay shows up in 201 so yeah they never go back to really the Mills stuff which I mean yeah they were they were fine for what they were I agree with you they were fine they were just fine they were fine yeah whatever so yeah, the Gabby and Mills stuff, man. And then in 120 and 121, I mean, it's basically two episodes of Mills just being jealous of Casey. Like, it's the whole build yeah. up to this. Um, yeah. So, it's the Gabby and Mills stuff. Severide. Okay. Uh-huh. So, Severide. So, let's refresh your memories on the context of this. So, Tara Little, she's a candidate that comes in. She's shadowing Dawson and Shay. And... She basically, like, throws herself at Kelly. Is that safe to say? I think she pretty much throws herself at him. Oh, she definitely throws herself at him. Yeah. So the whole arc is that, like, in 120, she comes in, and they have, like, one brief moment of messing with each other at the firehouse. She's, like, trying to throw something in the trash. And Severide's like, I'll bet you a dollar you don't make it. And she's like, I'll bet you a beer. And then she misses it. And so she brings beer to his apartment, and she's totally, like, flirting with him. And then Shay comes in and she's pissed off about something else. That's like the whole thing. And then Tara comes back at the end of 120 with these allegations that Severide like attacked her and like assaulted her basically. And she wanted to leave. Long of the short of it, the way I feel about this storyline, skin. this was 2013, way before all of the Me Too stuff. This would absolutely not fly in today's climate. This storyline. No, no. And I think the thing that was so interesting is so... The Bowden aspect of it, too, the fact that, like, Bowden just kind of believing Severide no matter what um, and taking Severide's side, like, that would not fly today. No, absolutely Even though on the, like, for the characters and stuff, it makes sense that, like, Bowden trusts Severide and based off their relationship and, you know, especially looking back on it, like, it makes sense. But, like, that would not fly in today's culture. No way. And even though we saw presumably all of what happened in Kelly's apartment and we know that he didn't do anything, Kelly does a lot of stupid things in handling this situation that would have him vilified big time in today's climate. Well, and even just based off his history, because there's the in 21, there's the father of the girl that he did hook up with a couple times that used to work for them Mm -hmm. or used to be like Connie before Connie. Yeah. Um, and they bring him in to, like, testify against Severide, essentially. And 
I mean, again, obviously Severide has a pattern of hooking up with people and hooking up with, you know, coworkers on occasion. And, you know, so it like it just all would have been bad. Like it it, it was it not all great. bad. That Nikki yeah. girl that like the father came and testified, was Nikki the one that he had the makeout sesh with in like one oh two after like the fireman's picnic or something? And like the the, the one in the turnout turnout room? room? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's her. Okay. Yeah, that's her. Mm-hmm. Man, it just there's so many things about the way Severide handles this that are just not good. First of all, he never should have invited her in her apartment. Like she's a candidate and you're a lieutenant. That right, right there is just like red flag palooza. Right, and you weren't interested in her. Like you weren't, regardless of that part. You weren't interested in her, and you didn't care. Like, why the fuck did you entertain her anyway? Yeah, and so, I mean, I think the overall structure of the arc could fly in today's climate, like in a 2019 atmosphere, but you'd have to handle it with kid gloves. Because the whole idea of, you know, having the girl with the allegations and the guys be like, wait, that's not true. I mean... You could do it in the 2019, like, world, but it would be really risky, and you'd have to handle it with kid gloves, and I can almost guarantee that the majority of people would be pissed off by it. Yeah, which is why it's just so interesting that, like, they did it in 2013. But I also, again, it kind of made sense for who Severide was. This boy, like, hooks up with everyone character. Like, it makes sense for him that, like, at some point, someone would have said something to, like, kind of turn against him. And, like, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, it wouldn't have fly- It would have been harder to pull off today. So here's an interesting question, then. Do you think that Severide's character growth since Anna and with Stella and everything, do you think it was just perfect coincidental timing? Or do you think it almost happened as a result of Me Too? Oh, that Severide's now kind of like a... He's toned it down. One woman monogamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's the result of character growth, and I think it's the result of, not necessarily of Me Too, but just like, okay, we're all tired. Like, we want Kelly to settle down with someone. Yeah. Like, we as fans, like, we're tired of him sleeping around. We've been tired of him sleeping around for a while, but... Right. But that's what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's more the result of that. Not necessarily the result of Me Too. No, but I mean, this whole, this whole arc is pretty interesting because like, uh, the way things that get, the way things get handled now, it's completely opposite the way that things go down on the show in this arc. Wait, say that again? It's just, it's interesting because like the whole arc, it brings up a lot of interesting talking points, right? But like the talking points are completely opposite the way these conversations normally go now in 2019. Because when... Right, I see what you're saying. Right, yeah, right, right. When Kelly's in Bowden's office and he's like, you know, I did nothing. Or I think somebody, it might be Casey having a conversation with Shay or something. And she's like, what, he would hold her against her will? He wouldn't do that. And I found myself sitting there being like, no, like, Kelly is a player, but he does respect women. Which is not what I've said in the past because he's pissed me off so badly in the past that I've been like, I don't think he respects women. I think he just thinks that he can fuck them all and that's it. So right. it brought up some interesting points for me that I was like, ooh, okay. All right. Right. But on your point, I mean, I think Kelly's always respected women. He just hasn't wanted to, like, settle down with them. 
Right. He's just not, like, taking them seriously. But that doesn't mean he doesn't respect them. I think it was when Kelly told, or not Kelly, when Stella told the whole story at the Plouch wedding about Kelly being drunk and, like, sneaking his way into her house. I was like, this motherfucker, that's terrible. <laughs> this is going to be such a, you're going to die. Kelly is Tyler C. <gasps> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he is, like, that respectful and supportive of women. He's always been like that. And in, I'm not saying that Tyler doesn't want to settle down because that's my whole, that's a whole other tangent of life. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's always respected and supported women. He just maybe hasn't wanted to, like, settle down yet. But there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Kelly is totally Tyler C. Yeah, I know. I just made that comparison. You're welcome. <sighs> Our poor listeners are going to have to, like, enter Bachelor Nation now to know what we're talking about on a weekly basis. But, yeah. So. I'm just imagining, I'm imagining Taylor, not Taylor, I'm imagining Kelly being like, Stella, you have the power to move mountains. <laughs> it so works, though, right? Because really you can see though. him. Yeah. You can see him saying that. And, like, the, you know, just unbelievably handsome, like, I, it all works. Does Tyler C. have ridiculous blue eyes? <laughs> no, I'm taking Instagram. I don't know what color are Tyler's eyes. Bryna has created a monster. What are Tyler's eyes? I don't know. But yeah. mm, I don't think they're blue, but they are really pretty. <laughs> oh, wait, aren't they blue? Fuck. No, they're not blue. <laughs> So, anyway, continue on. Yeah, this, this storyline would not fly at all in today's climate. So I think the first place where Kelly goes wrong is by inviting her inside. A. That's the first place he goes wrong. The second place he goes wrong is when Mouch and Bowden and everybody in a CFD uniform is like, do not communicate with her. Stay away from her. Don't talk to her. Don't do anything. And what does Kelly do? He stalks her outside of a Walgreens. Kelly, no, Kelly. honey, no. This is the kind of shit that gets you blacklisted in today's climate. Right. And then he just, like, not only did he, like, confront her outside the Walgreens, he also was just, like, spewing, not hateful things at her, but, like, spewing things he really shouldn't have been saying. He's like, you get a promotion and I could go to jail. And then he's like, we both know nothing happened that night. And it's just like, dude, stop yelling things like that at her. Just, yeah. No. I mean, yes, what he's saying is true. But it just looks really bad. And yeah. How did he know he was? How did he know she was in the Walgreens? Because he's stalking her. That's not a good look. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. That's some like Penn Badgley and you level shit. That's and this is before I find my friends. So. Shit. I'm just he saying. He probably had Antonio like, like today. On phone or something. No, because this was before he talked to Antonio. But I'm just saying, like, today it would have it been weird still, obviously, but, like, not as weird because you're like, oh, yeah, find my friends. Duh. But, like. Yeah. Which I still think is fucking creepy. I don't know why my friends are obsessed with it, but. Oh, no, find my friends is, well, it's creepy, but I also, like, I see the point, but also it's creepy. It's, it's like, both. It's it's fine. Okay, here's my unsolicited opinion on Find My Friends. <laughs> Find My Friends, I think, I understand the point of it. I have definitely have sent my friends my locations if I'm going on dates or things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely 
see the point in that. I don't, however, need my friends to know where I am at every single moment of my life. And that's, and like being obsessed and be like, oh, like my, cause my friends, I love them to death, but like feel like look and be like, oh, where's, you know, so-and-so right now. Oh, they're sitting at home. Like, why don't we go over? And like, to me, that's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't need that part of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just think about the bold type when Sutton stayed at Richard's house, not this past season, but like last season or something like that. And Jane and Kat met her to like do the walk of shame with her to Scarlet. Oh, yeah. I thought that was cute. But I mean, life is not the bold type as much as we wish it all was. Um, (laughs) Anyway, but yes, he stopped her outside of a Walgreens. I mean, that was just like, and that's how the episode pretty much starts. It's like, and Bowden is literally all of us in this episode. Like, everything he says to, to Kelly, I'm just like, yes, yes, thank you. Keep going. You are correct. Like. Right. But Sev, of course, doesn't want to hear it. Typical Sev fashion. And that has not changed. Right. Just, just, just. When Bowden, like, walks up to him in the bathroom and he's like, you confronted her? I was like, yes, thank you. Ex- exactly my thoughts. Like, go on. Keep talking. Uh, yeah, but Seb literally says Seb's like I did nothing wrong, and Bowden's like, "Well, you did today. Like you strengthened her case." And he's like, "Seb's like, fuck off, essentially." And Bowden, I mean, Bowden has to go so far as to threaten to take Squad away from him. Also, there's a major Severide eyes moment in this scene, but that's beside the point. But yeah, and then, I mean, Severide's just like that's your idea of helping. Like really, he's just he's stubborn. He's very stubborn. Or sweet yeah. little Kelly, and that hasn't changed either. He's still really stubborn. But I'd like to think he has more common sense. Like, if this were to happen today, he would definitely handle it differently. I'd like to think. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think 2019 Kelly does not handle it the same way. Right. His impulses might tell him to handle it the same way, but he will not handle it the same way. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. So then Shay makes a recommendation that is, Again, that's not even something that would hold up in today's climate. So she basically recommends that Kelly turn table turn the tables on her. And I think her exact words are like to go on the offensive. And so she's like, yeah. well, has anybody done a background check on her? No, Shay, no. Like, abort oh, mission, abort mission. mission. Right. And I get it. I get obviously why Shay is telling him this. Like, Shay is his person. Like, Shay. I mean, at one point, Severide even says, I don't remember if it's in 21 or if it's in this one, but Shay literally, or he even says, like, you're the only person I can trust right now. Um, so I get why Shay's telling him this, but, like, nah, dude. The, we can't do this. The, the, no. No. No, no, no. But what happens? It happens anyway. He runs the background check. It just it's it's well, like he has Antonio run the background he does check. Have, yeah, he has Antonio run the background check. Which like hey, I mean, Antonio, when you want Kelly, if you want Kelly not to do something, you got to tell him like the opposite. It's just yeah, just whatever. But yeah, no, seeing and it's 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 fun in this episode seeing Antonio help everybody, not just like Casey or Dawson, like and especially in one twenty and one twenty one, he's in those episodes as well, and he's just helping everybody. It's not just Casey or Dawson; it's it's everybody. And it's just so wild to think, too, because in 21 is the episode where, like, Voight for intelligence, like, officially, like, Voight gets reinstated and takes over intelligence. And so, like, it's just weird to think about. But, like, and this is, like, where we're obviously getting, like, PD. But, like, it's it's just it's wild to think about. And up until 121, it's Detective Voight. It's not Sergeant Voight. It's Detective Voight. 
I know, which is wild. Isn't that so crazy? I know. And then, I mean, there's also the other, there's the comedic storyline that we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. But up until that point, I mean, there's no plouch. There's no, I mean, there's there's a lot of like stuff that's just not in existence. There's no platinum mount and there's no mollies, which is like, what? I know, Malice has, mollies hasn't even opened yet, which is wild. It's, it's bananas. Yeah, the whole thing is pretty crazy. So, uh, but yeah, Antonio's like, here's the background check that I, totally should not be giving you because this is not how we handle things like he literally even says he's like if i was smart i'd tell you to let a lawyer handle it from here i, I don't yeah know. antonio if you were smart you would have told him to do that okay if you were smart yeah i believe that even in today's climate if a guy goes on the offensive like this he's obviously trying to victim blame that's the climate that's that's t- that's today that's how 29 how, that's how this shakes out in 2019 yeah, hundred percent. It's it's a really tough situation, even in this fictional context. Because I mean, I'm always inclined to protect Kelly, right? But also, when these stories happen, you know, I tend to just kind of like listen to the facts. And I mean, we've discussed this before that when when somebody gets, you know taken down by the Me Too movement, I just automatically flip a switch on that person and I'm just like, nope, they are canceled. They are done. Right. So, yeah, I find myself torn even when it's a fictional character. So it brings up some interesting talking points, for sure. But I think, too, so going into that, though, I think because... And, God, this is so hard to talk about because, obviously, in she is made... Tara is made to be out the victim, but really due to, like, her being a fraud, it's these two guys, it's Severide and this other guy that she did this to at her last place of employment that are the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're inclined to believe her, but, like, you really should be believing them. Like, it's like you said, it's so hard to talk about, but, like, because it's so messy and it so wouldn't be the way that it was told today, I don't think. Right, and in 120... 120- they basically have to go through sexual harassment training in the firehouse. And oh, 20, 20, is it 21? Yeah. Okay. And so Casey and Dawson get roped into acting out this like <laughs> sexual harassment scene, which I mean, it being Casey and Dawson is just like hilarious. It's funny. But Shay pipes yeah. up in the middle of it and Shay's just like, he just groped her. Did you see that? And Bowden's like, Shay? And he, she's like, I'm just trying to show how easy it is, which like, she's got a point. When it's like at one point too, they even made the comment during that training like, the guy's, like, nice slacks, depending on which way the girl is turned, like, can be taken two different ways. Like, if you're standing face-to-face with her and you say nice slacks, that means, you know, you like her pants, nice pants. But, like, if she's walking away from you and you say nice slacks, like, that means something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, like, I find myself approaching this topic with kid gloves, and this episode is six years old. Yeah. It's just crazy. And so, I mean, yeah, the, the background check is one thing. And then when he finds the other guy and they confront her together, I mean, yes, good for them. But in 2019, that's, those guys confronted me. Like, I felt unsafe. I couldn't leave. But I think that's why you do it in a public place. Not trying to protect the, I mean, I am because it's Severide, but, like, that's why they did it in a public place. Oh, man. Like, it's just, yeah. And so... I mean, when these stories come out in the mainstream media and these things happen, 
maybe it's just because I'm a woman, but I always find myself, I, I will always side with the woman in the issue just because maybe it's because I'm a woman too. I mean, I definitely think that's it. I think the difference though with this story too is that in the end with this story, it's not even just that she lied. It's that she lied and used it for her gain. And so she essentially is a fraud. Like, she is not just, like, oh, I lied and I didn't tell the truth. Like, she's legitimately a fraud. And, like, her, she herself could, like, have charges pressed against her. Absolutely. So, like, it's slightly, it's like a slightly different take on the story than just, like, a, oh, we didn't believe, like, the victim was wrong, the victim was wrong and, you know, didn't, like, it's, it's slightly different take on that story. That's also why this one is a little bit hard to talk about in, like, the total context of the Me Too movement, because, like, the guys end up being the victims to her fraud, not to something she did to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, it's also hard to talk about, I think, because of that. But I also think that that reason of her being a fraud, that is why you wouldn't see this in 2019 either, is because using this, using this situation to reveal that she's a fraud, kind of, I mean, not kind of, it absolutely cheapens the experiences of women who actually have been sexually harassed and you know have been victims of this kind of behavior right it's yeah yeah so i mean i guess it's kind of a way of fire being ahead of its time but it's yeah i yeah yeah and so i mean severa is able to get her to recant her testimony by confronting her with this other guy in public which i still don't think was a good move but I mean, he saves his ass, which is great, but in 2019, it would make a lot of people cringe, and I think it would still probably cost Severide his job. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Hmm. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. I I don't even... Yeah, I just... I I don't even know, like, what words to say to, like, wrap it up in, like, a good way. I just... It's very, like... It's shaky ground. For sure. But it's interesting, though. I'm really glad Brett recommended this to us because I wouldn't have even thought about it, like, comparing, like, how the story would have held up today. Like, I was just, I, like, I kind of forgot about the story just in general. So when he said that, I was like, oh, right, that was a thing. Oh, right, me too, hello. This was so early, like, compared to me too. Like, oh, shit. Like, so I'm glad he recommended this to us for the specific reason because it definitely is interesting to think about. And just with Severide as a character and seeing how Severide's grown... And the fact that Severide even got accused of this something else, like, uh, interesting. It's just all interesting. I mean, 2019, Kelly, even if Stella's not around and he's single, he doesn't invite her inside. Wait, say that again? 2019, Kelly, if he's single and there's no Stella and the candidate knocks on his door, he doesn't invite her inside. No, not at all. Again, respectful king. Tyler C. He is the Tyler C. He's Tyler C. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, this was kind of dicey territory, but it's done. It's six years in the past. <laughs> you know, Severide saved his, he saved his butt, which is great. And then, I mean, of course, he has the nice moment with Bowden where Bowden's like, I was just being a chief. And Kelly's like, Yeah, I know, I understand. Yeah. E. E. I know. It's, I just, I, I feel like there's so much more to say about it, but I'm also like scared to say anything. It's wild. Oh, it's totally wild. I know. I know. Ahead of its time. On the one hand, though, I will say watching it now in hindsight, obviously, 
I will say, it does make me as much, like, agony as there was with Severide as a character. There have been some dark times with Severide and things I've hated. Like, it does make me really appreciate the growth that Severide has had. And, like, now seeing that, like, oh, yeah, we're actually out of place now, hopefully, where he, like, doesn't go in circles anymore. And, you know, it's not just the same thing every time. Yeah, for sure. I feel so, like, like the, it does, looking back on this make me appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, that's part of that's part of what feeds into this whole arc is that, you know, Kelly's kind of young and stupid, right? Like, he's got like the long, dark hair. It's just so it's so funny to go back and see, you know, the, how how far we've come. It's so good. Yeah, it is good. So ooh, the terror bit. Oof. Oof. She'd be a good contestant on The Bachelor. She'd be all drama. Oh, yeah. Do you see what you've done to me? Like, yeah, I have something else bachelor I'll tell you later, but... Okay, okay. So yeah. elsewhere, we get a very special, sweet story with Bowden. And this is kind of an iconic one, right? I kind of had forgotten about it until I watched it. Then I was like, oh my god, this is like one of Eamon's best moments. How did I forget about this? No, I remember this one. I didn't forget this one. Brennan, go ahead. Yeah, so basically, at one point, a woman comes in the firehouse asking if they allow kids to take a picture on the truck. Herman's like, yeah, sure. And, like, where are the kids? And she's like, ah, eh, well, I'll come back later. And it's just like, okay. Whatever. So, Herman kind of noticed something's up with Bowden, and, you know, Bowden, you know, Herman noticed something's up with Bowden, so he invites Bowden over for dinner. Bowden accepts. And they end up having And this is where Bowden confesses to him that he thinks he's losing the respect of an important man in the house, and a.k.a. Severide. And Bowden's like, you know, I think he thinks I'm just the bad guy here. And then Herman reminds him that, you know, leaders lead from the front. And he, Herman says to him, you know, it's like up front can be lonely, that's for sure. But it really just goes with the territory. He's trying to cheer Bowden up and, like, reinforce the idea that, like, Bowden's doing the right thing. But Bowden's still pretty down about everything. I love everything about this. I love that whole scene. I love that line. Like, that uh, it's up front, up front it can be lonely, but you know, it goes with the territory and like, you're doing the right thing. I love that at work, it's strictly, I mean, you know, Herman recognizes Bowden's his superior. He respects that, you know, everything's fine and professional. But then once they're off the clock, Herman is who Bowden goes to for advice. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's Are they so the same good. age? I would imagine so. Probably just about. Or close-ish. Yeah. I, I would think so. Yeah. But I mean, I love that. Um, this is pre-Donna. So Herman's like, come over for dinner because, you know, otherwise, what else is going You're on, not gonna right? Eat. Uh, right? This You're is not also gonna... like two episodes after Cindy almost dies of a blood clot. I know. Wild. Yeah. It's just, and it's all stuff that I've forgotten and Cindy's about. Cindy's pregnant. Yeah. Like pregnant with the, you know, the baby that gets delivered in 124. Yeah. Wild. So wild. But yeah, I love that. I love that, you know. And, and Herman can always read Bowden, too, if something's going on. Herman just has to be like, you know, come on. Right. on. Right. And so kind of going off that, like, later on, the woman comes back with her husband and their daughter. And as it turns out, their daughter was taken to this firehouse when she was a baby. And Bowden's the one that found her. And so when Herman hears this, he's like, oh, shit, like, I got to – Bowden has to come out here. And Bowden, of course, doesn't want to. And he's like – Herman, like, knocks on the door. And Bowden's like – yeah, tell Danny or Billy or Leo or, you know, whatever that, like, I hope he has a happy birthday. And Herman's just like, no, Chief, like, I think you're going to want to be out here for this. Um, and it's just such a great moment. And the girl, Charlotte, introduces herself. 
and tells Bowden who she is, and Bowden's like, I always wondered what happened to you. And she tells she thanks him, and he's like, No, thank you, Charlotte, because you've made this chief a very happy man today. And just like, Eamon kills this scene. I love it. And I mean, you know, this was probably a story that the creative team heard from one of the like one of the actual CFD firefighters that like actually happened. Oh, I'm I, yeah, but like Eamon, Eamon kills this yeah. scene. Oh, it's so sweet. And then they all sing Happy Birthday. And all the other firefighters are just like, like, they're kind of emotional watching it. It's just like, oh. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's an early fire scene that I, like, will never forget. I don't think I'll forget it after that. But, like, man, that was, I, like, cried. Yeah. It was very Like, tough. legit cried. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as we said, Bowden and Kelly, Kelly talk again and obviously get on the same page and, you know. Bowden reminds Kelly, he's like, through this, I never doubted you. Which is, again, kind of the, like, cringy part looking back now. But, like, in this moment, it's sweet. Um, And he's like, I want you to know that. Like, I just had to be a chief. So. Again, I mean, in 2019, they both get vilified for this. That's what I'm saying. It's cringy now looking back on it. But in sweet in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yee. But. Yeah. Yeah. Yee. I know. Yikes. So there's also the underwear storyline. This is back in the day of just like multiple storylines, like not even just A, B, and C. Like there were a lot of moving parts happened, and there were also like multiple A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? And there were also like multiple calls in an episode. It wasn't just like two; it was like maybe three Five. or four. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. And so it, it might have been this episode where there's no, no, it was uh, 120 where they basically go from one call right to another, and that's how they realize that Curtis was shot. Curtis is the one who helps Antonio take Voight down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and so, like, they literally go from one call to another, and so, I mean, this was just, there was a lot happening in these days, and so, it's crazy. But the underwear storyline's pretty funny, so Cruz is doing laundry, or he was doing laundry, he walks in, and he's like, guys, like, I saw something the other day, it absolutely shook me to the core, like, this is really important, it's very <laughs> serious and earth-shattering, pulls out a pair of red underwear. Like, so, granny panties, though. Like, not, granny. like, not just, like, un- like huge-ass underwear. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um, and so, like, Casey's like, well, these ain't mine. And so they basically put up a bounty, and it's, like, 20 bucks for whoever comes forward as the owner of the panties. Or the underwear, really. Oh, it's so funny. And so, yeah, Casey hangs them on the board. Everybody assumes that it's Otis. Which, I mean, it yeah. all, it, it sounds like an Otis thing to do, right? Right. Also, side note, Cruz with the hair, Otis with the long hair. Just, like, TBT to all those looks. Not even the long hair with Otis. His hair, like, sticks straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like, long. Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. For guys. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, and Cruz with hair is just TBT, man. TBT. Big time TBT. Oh, so funny. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, there, that the whole thing's going on. And then, of course, later on, you know, Otis has a moment where Otis is like, I can't look at these anymore. And he takes them down. Well, it turns out that these are Mouch's underwear. Because right. they come from his internet girlfriend that he is seeing in Japan. Because, again, this is pre-Trudy. Thank God for Trudy. Otherwise, who knows what Mouch would still be up to. Oh, Lord. I don't even want to imagine that what if. I know. he. W- I mean, the shenanigans would just be ridiculous. Like, Mouch on Tinder. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't that essentially what he was doing, though? Basically, this was before Tinder was a thing. So he was basically doing Tinder before Tinder. Yeah, Tinder was like infancy at this point. Oh my god, so funny. But yeah, the whole thing is like Mouch wants to impress her. 
And that's why he's learning Japanese proverbs. There's also a scene where he's literally watching a Japanese show with Pouch on the couch. It's great. Because this is still when Pouch was happening. Yeah, TBT to Pouch. Pouch was so cute. I know, but now we have Tuesday. Oh my god, Tuesday's so cute too. I just, I mean, I will cuddle all the dogs. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the quick little comedy storyline, which is still pretty freaking funny. I mean, it's pretty good. It's just wild to think too, because then obviously towards the end of season one, she eventually comes to visit him, and it's just like a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I remember all of it. Thank God for yeah. Trudy. Who knows what he would still be doing. I know. Thank yeah. God. So lastly, we've got Casey and Hallie. It's kind of the, uh, I know. I know. Pour some out for Hallie, man. Pour some out for Hallie. Take a sip. I will take a sip. Yeah, I won't pour it out because this is wine, but I will take a sip. <laughs> yeah. We've never really talked about the Casey and Hallie stuff. We really never have. Um, I mean, it, it, it's clear from the get-go that she's not meant to stick around. Or not meant to stick around. It's just that she and, she and Casey are not meant to be. You know what's interesting, though? And I've had this at the very end of that line, but we can talk about it now. Like, was it all... I wonder if it was always planned for Hallie to die. Like, obviously, like you said, like, we eventually knew that she would fade out for good at some point so that Matt and Gabby could be together. But, but like... Did Derek and Matt Olmstead, like, always plan to kill her off? And, like, what came first? This idea to kill her off or just really needing something to spin off into PD? Oh, that's a good question. And I should have asked Derek about it before this episode, but I did not. We'll tweet him when we release this episode. Yeah. But, like, I, it was something that got me thinking, like, was it always planned for her to die? Or, like, was it just kind of, like, something they needed to spin off for the PD backdoor pilot? Like, I don't know. I'd be curious to know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, I mean, we open on the morning after Casey and Hallie sexy time, which is like, really kind of eerie if you think about it, because if you think about it, Hallie's waking up on the day that she dies. Like. Yep. And when she says, as soon as she said at 24 hours and one minute, I want to be right back here. She just gave herself a time of death. I mean, it's scary if you really think about it, because she's just like blissed out she's super happy no idea that this is like her last day on earth okay question for you since you, were you you were watching at this point live right correct you were still watching okay what was the reaction like because obviously this was out of nowhere i would i mean out of nowhere seemingly like what was the reaction like it was pretty you remember split if i remember correctly now something i do remember about the night this episode aired because i'm again I have a decent memory where I just remember. It's not like Mary Lou Henner level memory where I'm just like, I was doing this on this day at this <laughs> Mary hour. Mary Lou Henner. Um, yeah, and we, yeah, we can talk about that because we actually spent some time with her at ATX and she told a million Hollywood stories. and It was like the best hour of our lives. Um, beside the point, though. So I remember the night that this aired because, I mean, this aired in the springtime in 2013. And so the springtime in Texas is just stormy and miserable. And like, it's like tornado season, like the peak and everything. And so we had a really bad thunderstorm that night and it was bad enough that it preempted all the shows. And so I didn't get to watch it on that night. I had to watch it the next day. And so I was shooketh to the choreth when I saw it. Um, and so if I remember correctly on Twitter, I mean, granted, I was catching up, but it was pretty split. Like some people were just like, wow, that was really sad. But other people are like, well, I didn't want her to die. But now that she's gone, like kind of green lights Casey and Dawson. So that's kind of cool. Um, it was pretty split. But that was me catching up on Twitter okay. the next day because I didn't get to watch it till the next day. 
Interesting. Gina's memory is full of useless information. Did people like, I mean, like, now, like, how, what do you feel about Hallie and Casey? I mean, aside from the fact that we knew they weren't going to end up together. Like, did you like them? Is it kind of like a Milson, like, they were fine? I didn't really care about her before she went away. Like, before she went away, I was just like, okay, whatever. Hallie's gone. That's great. Now let's see Casey and Dawson develop. Because obviously the chemistry was there. And their near kiss in early season one of that Christmas party was just the cutest. So I was on board. So when they have that scene in 120 where they almost kiss at Molly's and then she walks back in, when she walked back in, I was like, damn it! Like, it was one yeah. of those moments. But, I mean, I didn't want her to, I wasn't rooting for her to die, especially not the way that she did. I mean. Yeah, that was brutal. It was pretty brutal. And it just destroyed Casey. And I didn't want to see that. And it just, like, I, I didn't want to see Casey as broken as he was. Like, so I just was kind Casey of like. Casey went through some shit in season one. Oh, big time. Big time. Because wasn't the stuff with his mom in season one, too, or is that season two? No, it was season one. You have that, you have Darden dying, you have Hallie dying. Like, damn, Casey, that was, what a way to be introduced to a character. Oh, big time, big time. And so, yeah, he went through a lot of shit. And so I just, I I wasn't rooting for, I mean, I, I was rooting for, obviously, Gabby and Casey. And I was rooting for Hallie to go away, but I wasn't rooting for her to die that way. Like. Yeah, this was brutal. This was pretty bad. Yeah pretty bad and i just i mean my heart breaks for casey every time that that truck rolls up like when he first hears the address and he's like that's hallie's clinic like you know in his mind he's just like fuck like he's so worried and then when he sees her car and he's like oh god and then he still has to keep it together to like run his team the thing that i thought was one of my not my favorite part because that's not the right word i'm using but like the part that gets me i'll say Mm -hmm. is I think it's Bowden. Bowden's like, or somebody says like Hallie's in there and Bowden's like, who? And then Shay, like you hear say, just say like his girl. And it's just like, cue all the fucking tears. My God. Big time. Also TBT to Scott Eastwood. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. TBT. I just love it. I love that we had Scott Eastwood in the one Chicago universe, even if it was for like a split second. I love it. For two episodes. Yeah. That was it. Yep. I'm not complaining though. Yeah. No. But, oh, man, yeah, I just, I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm older now, but, I mean, I, I feel the emotions when, Kay, like, I feel what Casey's feeling when that call comes in, because I'm just, like, I know the worry is just, like, splitting through him, and then, like, when he finally gets inside, and then he can't get to her on the inside of the cage and everything, I'm just, like, like, I yeah. just, yeah, protect Casey at all costs, please. Yeah, oh, and then, obviously, they end up getting her out, and they rush her to Lakeshore, but, of course, it's ultimately too late. And then you see Casey, like, hunching over and sobbing. And then it's Mills who ends up going to him and comforting him. Which, to me, is still just a fascinating choice. Like, I'm so really surprised that it wasn't Sev or Gabby. That it was Mills, of all people. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I've thought about that, too, when you uh, you mentioned that in the outline. I was like, yeah, that, I, I've always found that a really fascinating choice. And I, I wonder if it simply just ties into the episode title that leaders lead and so he just saw that nobody was going to him and so he was like i'll handle this i it's to this day it's a fascinating choice to me i wonder though i mean subconsciously i don't think this is what mills was trying to like prove himself but like i wonder if subconsciously mills was trying to be like oh i need to be the bigger person here like try to a kind of prove something to gabby but like i don't know like I don't know. It's weird. I could see it being putting 
things is uh, putting his differences with Casey aside because in 120 and 121 he and Casey are kind of butting heads because of Mill's interest in squad right right I don't know the whole thing just just fascinated me it's a good choice though right like Mills is a good choice and I guess the Sev one it's not Sev now like it would definitely be 100% Sev now like 100% Sev yeah um but like I guess Sev and him like they were friends obviously still in season one but they had still obviously had to repair the relationship in season one so maybe they weren't as close as they are now Mm -hmm. but like Gabby why wasn't it Gabby because if Gabby had gone to him Peter would have gotten jealous yeah but I I don't know it's still fascinating it's still fascinating to me oh yeah no absolutely and that still is a pretty iconic scene in my mind but I think oh my god yeah it's a good choice Definitely though because I feel like if it were anywhere if it were anyone else we probably would have forgotten about it I, I mean I, I think part of it is too is Mills kind of realizing he's now part of this family so like when one of them hurts like they all hurt and so yeah yeah that's a good point yeah just at the whole that whole final sequence is just heartbreaking and Hallie died a really terrible death it was brutal. It was really brutal. And then, like, I mean, watching we, that whole scene again is just like, ugh. Yeah, and I mean, not Her. only that, but when, when they get Hallie out, I mean, how helpless Casey must feel. Like, holy crap, this is my fiancé who I was, like, rekindling a relationship with, and now this just happened, and I can't do anything about it. Well, there's the whole thing, too, where, like, they get her out of Lakeshore, and, like, they obviously brush her into Lakeshore, and he just kind of stands there for a second, like, looking in, and, like, Gabby's there standing next to him, but it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that whole that whole sequence is just, like, I mean, it's not that we were attached to Hallie, so, like, when she dies, it's not like, oh, my God, I'm so heartbroken, Hallie's gone. It's more so, oh, my God, Casey's just shattered. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, again, it's not so much Hallie, it's more so what it did to Casey. Right. Sad face. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, Hallie. Then, of course, this gives way to the PD backdoor pilot, which is the next episode, where we find out that Hallie was bashed in the head before she was basically burned alive. Yep. Awful. All over it being a pill mill. That clinic is pretty sketch, right? Yeah, because it was a pill mill. Like, why why was Hallie working there in the first place? I think because she wanted to be a good person and do things pro bono and volunteer and, you know, she came back because she came back from wherever she was and she was like, it. she like even says at this point, or I don't remember which episode it was, but she even says at one point, like, it made me realize like why I loved medicine in the first place. Yeah. Like helping people, like actually helping people. And she got to do that at this clinic. Yeah. Not at Lakeshore. Now, granted, I can't remember how it all unfolds with, I mean, granted, you said it's a pill mill. I'm sure that's all explained in the PD backdoor pilot. I didn't get that far. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's sad. And then, of course, we get that heartbreaking scene in the season one finale where, like, Gabby goes over to the super sad bachelor pad and Casey's just like, nothing makes sense. Like, yeah. protect Casey at all costs, please. Protect Casey at all costs. Just, like, bubble wrap him or something. Yes, please. (laughs) He is very small and you are hurting him. (laughs) 
Man, Casey's just been through some shit. Damn. Oh, shit. I know. I know. And the whole reason that he and Hallie didn't work out is because he wanted kids and Hallie didn't. And so, oh, he, yeah, he's always wanted to be a dad. Like, that went down. The whole stuff with his mom went down. Hallie died. And then there was, like, the back and forth with Gabby. And then Gabby miscarried. And then Gabby left. And just, like, he's been through a lot of shit. A lot of shit. You're not even thinking about the Alderman stuff. Like, there's, like, a bunch of shit that Casey's gone through. Yeah, the Alderman stuff. He's just a really good guy who's just trying to do his best, which I guess is true of every character in the One Chicago universe. But, like... Remember that time someone got murdered in his kitchen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had to think about that. I'm sorry. Um, yes, I do remember that. It was the Russian stripper. It was uh, Katya. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. She got murdered in his kitchen. They got almost burned alive in his apartment he and naomi like he's been through some shit he's been through a lot of shit not it's probably a good thing they burned down that apartment because that apartment was probably really cursed oh it's definitely cursed 100 percent. though i still really want to know how he was able to poke through the wall like that i feel like that's really important information to know that's like some <laughs> bear grills level information yeah definitely but poor casey any other notes about this episode about 122 no but i'm glad we talked about this no same i mean it's it's really fun to revisit season one yeah and there's just so many things that like again i forgot about like i didn't even realize that the paramedic thing was in season one i like kind of forgot that it overlapped with hallie's death like there's just so many things that i forgot about yeah it's a lot of fun to go back and go back for nostalgia's sake yeah so yeah I think that's about all we've got, guys. So, um, as always, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. We've got a tea public story, y'all. If you want to show your love for the podcast while you're at the grocery store or at Walmart or wherever, uh, we've got shirts on sale. So, you know, you can show your love for your favorite squad or, you know, the logo shirts we've got. We've got our silhouette shirts. We're working on more ships. Definitely go check those out. Our link is in our bio on our Twitter page. Um, typically when we put new shirts up, they are on sale for $14 for like 24 hours. So that's definitely something to take advantage of. I think of. it's like two or three days. I don't think it's 24, I think. Because I think the Silhouettes ones are still on sale. Or Sweet. they were. They are as the when we're recording this. Sweet. So yeah, go snatch them up. Go wear them in your photo ops at the Chicago Heroes event in September. So yeah, do that. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please, please, please feel free to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would so greatly appreciate that. And yeah, um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at Bryna K13. We're working on the schedule for the rest of the summer. I think we're talking about covering a Met episode next week. We haven't quite decided on which one. We'll get back to you when we do. Otherwise, that's about it. We will see you guys next week. Bye.